3: Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v
4: Okay, it is the Lombardi line as we welcome you back here. Mike Pritchard's going to join us coming up in 29 minutes. Michael Lombardi there. I'm Patrick Maher. Okay, we went through the AFC, so let's get to this. We had Felika texting about this this morning. Now, there's so many ways to unpack Eagles hosting the 49ers, of course, a big win for the Eagles as they advance to the Super Bowl. That number, just quickly, want to give it to you. That number closed two and a half, three at some shops. Of course, a 31-7 winner. You lost your quarterback if you're San Francisco, so it was a tough spot. Now, let's start with the first drive. It ended in a touchdown for the Eagles. However, the fourth down shot to Devontae Smith will be discussed for a long time. Kyle Shanahan doesn't challenge, doesn't use a timeout. In real time, we'll start there, your thoughts on what transpired on that fourth down shot.
5: Well, the reaction by Smith kind of told you something was up, right? And then he gave the hand signal of his bringing his two fists together, which told me and I think America that there was a code and then the Eagles running to the line, right? Like, why would they run to the line if they thought he caught the ball? You know, and and so – and why would he give some hand signal? I don't know what the hand signal was, but it forced them to run and get the next playoff. So I think what Kyle should have done is just call timeout. Just call timeout. And let, let his guys up in the booth look at it. Because like he said, he didn't see it on the – jumbo. Uh, we heard, I heard this on the pod. He didn't see it on the – he couldn't tell from the jumbotron. None of us could tell. We weren't getting a replay right away. And the guy in the box is only going to replay stuff Predicated on a challenge, and he's going to expedite the challenge, not kind of buzz down there to say that was a bad play. So I think if he calls time out there, has a chance to look at, then flows the challenge flag. I, I think he can convert a, a timeout into a challenge.
4: Yeah, Smith so was he so demonstrative. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Smith was so demonstrative, and he was the one with the most intimate knowledge, obviously, whether or not he held that ball through. As far as possession, here's Kyle Shanahan talking about why he did or didn't challenge. He obviously did not. Because the replay we saw didn't definitely show that. They actually, we saw one up on the scoreboard. I was going to throw one anyways, just to hope to take the chances. But they showed one up on the scoreboard um, that didn't have all the angles you guys saw. And that looked like a catch. And so we don't want to waste a timeout, which we definitely would have if we didn't see that. But then I heard they got a couple other angles and you guys end up seeing later that it was not a catch okay well yeah, I guess.
5: I, 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 you know it's funny Kyle said he looked at the jumbo tribe, so Kyle's dad when he was the head coach at Denver is so organized so detailed Mike that whenever there was a replay he wanted to see, he would raise his hand in the air and then the the guy in the box next to the scoreboard operator was a former coach. Mike had him up there really checking replays and so then he would tell that guy what replay to show on the screen. So Mike could see it so he could make a decision on the challenge. And to me, Kyle knew that whatever they're showing at Link Stadium, at the financial field, Lincoln Financial Field, that's, the, that's not going to be the one – they're not going to give you the good look. Like, they're never – they're they're, it's not fair and balanced, right? They're not giving you the good look. They're going to give you the look to deter you, not to entice you. And so if he calls timeout, what's the worst that happens? We see time First of all, you lose a timeout in the first half, who cares? You lose a timeout in the fourth quarter, I care. You lose a timeout in the second half, I care. But in the first quarter, we can overcome it, right? We can overcome it. So throw throw the timeout flag. Because it's more about the reaction of the players than it is was it a catch. And they reacted and the Eagles' behavior told you that something was fishy. And then finally, when Fox got around to showing us, we knew what it was.
4: Conversely, Eagles coach Nick Sirianni, he loved the call. Let's hear him. Football intelligence, like uh,
0: smart players do smart things. And uh, he did a smart thing right there. Uh, he made an unbelievable play. Uh, I don't know if he caught it or not. I haven't seen the TV copy. You got, didn't catch it? Well, then that was even better of a play. And, uh, but, yeah, we talk a lot. Situational football is not just third down and red zone and two minutes, it's not just those things, right? It's the situations that happen within the game. That particular thing is a situation that happens within the game. Devontae's done that. In fact, the very first game we had here against Atlanta, Zach Hurts did the same thing. Um, And, again, smart players do smart things, and we've had a couple of those, and uh, our guys are, you know, we talk a lot about it. Our guys are locked in, and, uh, you know, it's a special group of guys.
4: Yeah, situationally, Devontae Smith, smart Alabama. He was coached up. Because you knew he knew exactly when he got off the ground what he was supposed to do, which is tell his team to hustle, hurry, and he was demonstrative about it.
5: Right. And and he had his hand signal. I mean, so that that, that had coached, that this has been coached and practiced, that let's get up here. You know, and, and the reaction is and he said it so well. Game situations aren't about third down. And they're not about, you know, when do we punt, when do we kick a field goal? They're more about the game what is going on and how is it happening and what transpires situation? Why punt the ball down the middle of the field? You can't do that, right? Those are really important. I give him credit. He see, because he's a head coach, he's watching the game. He's not looking at his play sheet. He's mad, He's running the operation. And as a young coach, he's grown in that role and he's done a really good job and give him credit for that. Because I think you have to, because this is a, you know, Kyle, you know, it, the situation, I agree with them. You can't challenge it because you don't want to lose a challenge. You don't want to go through 56 minutes down to one challenge or 57 minutes down to one challenge. But who cares if you lose a timeout? Who cares? And the mechanism that the, that the Eagles have brought into that just tells you how aware they are about situational football
4: yeah it was tremendous so that was huge because the Eagles like they did against the Giants they score on their opening drive Michael you kept on talking about why it was important for the 49ers to play from in front a lot of momentum sucked out of the Niners with that score to start the Purdy conversation and what happened with the quarterback and what transpired during the game let's first hear from Brock Purdy
6: um, you know my arm just felt like it stretched out Um, just felt like Really a lot of just shocks all over from my elbow down to my wrist, front and back. Um, Just pain, really, all over. Getting an MRI tomorrow, um, you know, it it is a little swollen in the forearm area near the elbow. And um, that's all I know, man. It's uh, still in pain, obviously, but just got to get the MRI tomorrow. I've been throwing after the hit occurred on the sideline just to see where I was at. but even in those throws, it was it was painful. And so um, I couldn't throw anything, probably over 10 yards, 5 yards. So um, that's why we just had some screens. Those really early option when I, when I went back in.
4: Okay, if you were a ticket holder of the Niners and you saw him go out and Josh Johnson come in, you were worried. And then Johnson goes out with a concussion. So a mess there. Let's unpack it. Go ahead.
5: Well, I mean, look, it's it's unfortunate, you know, and when he got hurt, I was I didn't know when I saw him standing on the sideline. I wondered, like, is there anything we could do to subside the pain or they first they said he couldn't grip the ball. But then I saw him grip the ball. I never really could see him throw it, you know, and everybody handles pain differently. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes has a high threshold of pain. You know, look, it it. it, it you can't lose your quarterback there. I mean, let's face it. You, you know, when you went to Josh Johnson, you knew the, the game was over. Because, first of all, you're playing a rookie quarterback who doesn't have – who's getting all the reps during the week. And then he gets hurt. You get a guy who's been on 15 different – 15 years he's played in the league. He's not getting any reps. He's getting mental reps. So, you got to change the whole game plan around. I mean, to make that score 7-7 seven to seven is remarkable. You know, they got back in that game with the McCaffrey great run. So – you know, it's just an unfortunate thing that, you know, you got a you got a protection that you're trying to run. You're in a seven man protection. You think you got the tight end over there on on Riddick. You think you're gonna be able to handle it. And Kittle can't block him in terms of protection and he hits the ball, fumbles, and you even overcome the fumble. They don't get any points off the fumble. But you cost them the game.
4: Yeah, and you're right, Johnson looked kind of scattered. He looked shook in the pocket, though. He would have given him a chance, 7 of 13, 74 yards. He did lose the fumble, but McCaffrey was determined. That run from McCaffrey, that touchdown run was wild. That was brilliant. Yeah,
5: no doubt. I mean, look, it, you know, he just that was the kind of effort it was going to take, but, you know, the seven first downs your defense allows through penalty is hard to overcome. You know, and then they score at the end of the half is harder. Once it became a two-score game, it, it, you couldn't do anything about it. When you could keep it a one-score game, you had a chance. It's Debo breaks the tackles, touchdown. You know, D, you know, the Kittle breaks the tackle, touchdown. You know, you could make something happen, but two-score, you can't do that all the time. And, and that's just what it fell apart for San Francisco. It's a sad thing because as great as their season was, this is one of the worst ways to go out.
4: Those defensive penalties kind of keeping the Philly drives alive for the 49ers were killers. They were penalized 11 times for 81 yards. You saw Shanahan. Shanahan was pissed. Uh, Four four penalties for 34 for the Eagles.
5: Well, the reaction at the end of the game from Trent Williams, it was uncalled for. It wasn't necessary, but it was more about frustration than anything. Whenever you get an inadequate imbalance of... Of the of penalties, and we, we know we said this on the show Sunday morning. John Hussey, you know his record is favors the home team substantially. Now he's got a different crew than his normal crew, so set that aside. But I what I didn't like was the inconsistencies from one week to the next. You know they don't call pass interference in the Jacksonville Charger game on what I thought was pass interference, but in this game they call hold. They call a defensive hold, and even you know the, the, you know I I mean it, it didn't look like it. I know Mike Pereira is going to de- defend the officials, but it's a little nitpicking. Like when, when Eli Apple held uh, Scantling, I mean, even, even uh, Tony said, even uh, Gene Santatore said that, hey, you know, I wouldn't have made that call. But I, I think that's what happens. I, they, they, all of a sudden we started getting calls down the, it, that they were letting them play in the other games. And, look, yeah. that's not why San Francisco lost the game. I'm not suggesting that.
4: Well, that's why you had hashtag NFL is rigged on Twitter because of the officiating. It always, when, whenever we start talking about officiating, I kind of zone out because it just, you got to deal with it. There's nothing we can do with it. Uh, it's one of those variables. Okay. When we, it can get better and you can work on it in the off season. When we come back, the dolphins have a new defensive coordinator. Michael's going to walk you through how they got their guy. And we'll take a
0: look at the Super Bowl next.
3: Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on vSEN. Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: Okay, the big game means big plans for VSin. is going to be in the middle of all the action and broadcasting live from Radio Row in Phoenix with athlete and celebrity interviews and our experts break down the game. You're not going to want to miss VSin's coverage. Huddle up and watch Follow the Money, Lombardi Line, VSin's Final Countdown and V-SIN's prime Primetime all live from Radio Row starting next week. For betting splits, expert picks and big game props head to vsin.com. That's V S I N com the s show that is known as radio row vson will be invading get ready it's gonna be exciting shall I'm be good michael lombardi i'm patrick maher as we welcome you back here uh just check out vison.com for all the coverage details if you'd like and when you're over there sign up for the free newsletter newsletter and become a pro for 9.99 there's a couple extra plugs oh i'm curious because i said to you during a break and then we kind of capped it because better to talk about it on the air Vic Fangio is going to be hired as defensive coordinator become the richest coordinator in football of course the former Bronco head coach but a long time great defensive coordinator he's going to go down with Mike McDaniel in Miami this feels like a coup for McDaniel and the Dolphins how'd they get their guy
5: well I mean money talks right so I tweeted this out. I think I tweeted it out on Saturday or maybe – I don't know when I did, but I said that Vic Fangio was close to making a decision. He had – Carolina was really interested. Carolina was offering him a substantial deal. And then Dan Quinn went back to Dallas. And Dan Quinn's deal going back to Dallas is somewhere north of $4.5 per year. I don't know the exact number. And so once that deal came in – then Fangio has the all the leverage, so he says to Carolina, either you, you know I'll go there if you pay X, and he says to Miami, I'll go there if you pay X, and right. so that's kind of what happened. And I don't know if Carolina decided not to pay X or if he chose Miami because of the state income tax, and X means more in Florida than it does in Carolina. I don't know that, but that's what happened. And so he's now he's probably making what usually head coaches make, is which is about five million a year as the defense coordinator. And let's remember this about Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, and I've said this on the pod and I've said it on the show, Mike McDaniel at his very first staff meeting down in Miami, he told the staff, I run the offense, you know, Josh Boyer runs the defense, and whoever the specialty team coach, he runs the special teams. You guys are the head coaches in your area. So for Vic, this is a great job. He goes down there. He can put in his system. I'm sure he's going to have some say on who he can bring with him to help him. And he's got complete autonomy to run the defense because McDaniels could care less about the defense. He's just going to call plays. Now, it's going to be interesting to see when McDaniels is calling 75 passes in a row and not trying to run the clock out and putting Vic's defense in a bad spot like he did Boyer's, how, how Vic handles that. (laughs)
4: <laughs> My assumption would be, I, McDaniel probably doesn't make five a year, does he? I, the the DC may be I mean, a, more pay, higher paid than the head coach the I
5: mean, the, the, the Miami's on the subcontractor program, so it may you know. So if you're going to pay your coach, see, and so for like if you're Dallas, right? If you're Dallas and you're paying Dan Quinn almost a head coaching salary, you're paying you're paying McCarthy uh, 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 more than what you're paying. Say you're paying McCarthy $10 million a year. Now you're paying $5 million to Dan Quinn or $4.8 to Dan Quinn. You're in $14 million for two positions. So maybe McCarthy should go run the offense. And then you eliminate yeah. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore's got one more year left on a deal. So he gets fired or he walks away. That contract didn't walk away. That was a mutual agreement. So now he goes to the Chargers, and the Chargers, you know, who have to pay off Lombardi – they don't have to pay. They, they get a friendly deal with Moore. They'll pay him a deal, but they'll pay him less. So it makes money for the Chargers.
4: Yep. And that's the other news. We broke it at the top of the show here on the Lombardi line. v the Sports Betting Network. The Los Angeles Chargers are hiring Kellen Moore as their new offensive coordinator. The move, of course, comes off of the Dallas Cowboys and Kellen Moore mutually agreeing to part ways. So... Moore in after Lombardi was let go there with the Chargers. Your thoughts?
5: Well, I mean, look, as I've said many times about Kellen Moore, I think Kellen Moore would do a, a world of good to take a class on how to play complimentary football, how he can accelerate it. I think he should call Sean Payton up on the phone and say, hey, Sean, how did you learn to go from being a really good call, play caller to becoming a really good head coach? I would recommend he do that immediately. And, and that'll help him. You know what I find interesting? We talked about this. It just got, like, put out there yesterday, Friday or Saturday, that Justin Herbert's going for surgery for his non-throwing shoulder uh, that was hurt during the season. Nobody nobody filled in the blank that said, the Staley put this guy out on the field in a meaningless game against Denver with a bad shoulder that has to get operated Mm -hmm. on. Like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Like, every decision Staley makes, to me, always seems like the wrong decision. So it's going to be interesting to see how Kellen Moore and him both work together and what they do. Look, Kellen Moore's offense is not much different than what what Sean's offense that Lombardi was running, Sean Payton. It's not West Coast. It's more numerical. And so – but it's going to rely on – can he control the game and can he get the ball to his best players when he has to? That was the knock. That was a knock on him in Dallas. That every time they had a big game, he couldn't make the play. And the other knock on Dallas was this. Dak wasn't making progress. Whatever you want to say about anything, Dak was Dak was, you know, how are, the question that they had to ask us off how are we going to get Dak better?
4: Yeah. So now Kellen Moore with the Chargers. The forty nine ers' season is over. My assumption is D'Amico Ryan's gets a head coaching job in about ten minutes.
5: He's got one. He's got he's got two if he wants it. He's got. De- I've already said Denver, and he's and he definitely has Houston. And so I think he wants Houston over Denver because he's more comfortable with the town of Houston. His wife's from Houston. They've got more draft picks. And let's face it, Houston is a situation where you know they've had th- two one year coaches in a row. Right. The next guy is going to be able to say, hey, look, I want yeah. a six year contract. I want a seven year contract. Like I'm not going in there. And D'Amico has all the leverage. He has all the leverage. So and then, we'll it's be interesting to see who he takes with him from San Francisco.
4: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's counterintuitive to think it, but it's correct. You'd think like with two coaches getting one and dones with Houston, I think the third coach now has an extra long leash, right? Because they don't yeah. want to repeat what they had just done. It's almost human psychology going into it. But if you're a head coach, you're like, Yeah, I'll take this job because I know I'm going to be here for a while. Because you just botched the last two hires, and you're not not going to want to admit this mistake so early with me if it is a mistake. So interesting. I mean, look, interesting.
5: Look, I think he's smart. You know, he had to do it. I think it's really smart. I mean, look, he's got it. Look, the next guy to go is going to be Nick Cesario. He's not going to endure another coach. So you got a chance to have some clout in the organization. Plus, you could build it. Plus, there should be some patience, right? A
4: hundred percent. That's what you do. If you're a young coach like Ryan's, you don't go where the pressure, when you walk in the door in Denver, the pressure, the pressure is immediate to win. You go to Houston where you can learn on the job. You know you don't have a quarterback. The organization knows it. You just got to build a team. I, I think it's a perfect spot, a great spot, right. good fans. There's a lot to love about that Texans job, a ton of picks. So conversely, who are you hearing with Denver?
5: That's the one I haven't heard. The one I haven't heard is Denver. I have not heard that. You know, I think Denver's kind of gone underground. I don't know if it means are they back on David Shaw? Are they Are going back on Jim Harbaugh? Where are they going? I haven't heard that one. You know, Indy, I don't think, I, I, and you could never say never, never. I don't think Jeff Saturday's in play at Indy. I think they've worked their way through that.
6: it's going to
5: be in Indy, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't think we're going to get Saturday in the park in Indianapolis. I just don't. But things could change in a moment's notice. So I would say 80-20, we won't have a Saturday in the park sighting in Indianapolis. He'll be back at the worldwide leader with his offensive coordinator. So I I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't know what's going to happen in Arizona today. They tried they put slips in for both Bengal offensive and defense coordinator Brian Callahan and Lou Amoromo. So they're going to interview them. That kind of tells you they're not ready to jump on Sean Payton. If they're interviewing assistant coaches, they haven't made up their mind on Sean Payton yet. So you know, and a lot changes over the course of time.
4: I don't know how it's possible. You've had issues with names at times, but every time you say Amaromo, which I can't say at all, and nobody else can, you nail it. How is it possible you nailed that name all the time? I
5: I never feel like I nail it. Although I'm better than, you know, I heard Gronk on TV yesterday. like, he made me feel good. Like he was killing (laughs) names. Like he made me feel
4: good. Elliot, you should have been proud of me after you heard him yesterday. I think with Gronk, it's more just about the presence as it's more about the as opposed to actually the presentation. It's more just about having Gronk, a super likable guy up there. But I have to back up a little bit. We just have 40 seconds Saturday. That news to me is kind of breaking here. The fact that you don't believe he's going to be the coach there with the Colts. No,
5: I've always thought he was, but I don't. I just don't think so. I just, it, it, you know, talking to people, it sounds like that ship might have sailed. I don't know that for a fact. Nobody, I haven't, only Jim Ursay knows that. So anybody who says I'm full of crap or anybody says I'm right, you know, it's an instinct I have from talking, but I've, I haven't talked to Jim Ursay, so you just, he could change his mind in a moment.
4: No, but it's, it's great news. I mean, it's great intel because you do have your sources. Now, is a wild card. All you have to do is go look at his Twitter account. You know that that dude he's wild so he could make any decision but again 80 20 no on saturday in the park as the colch future head coach 80 20 yes no 100 percent, yes pritch is next
3: you're listening to the lombardi line on vsin featuring former nfl executive michael lombardi now once again here's patrick maher okay
4: we'll have you covered for the super bowl excuse me the big game and everything right here college basketball NBA 76ers introductory offer 9.99 right now you be, you become a Visen Pro that's it $9.99 slash subscribe you get the pro tools which include the betting splits pro picks at a glance pro tips it's all there slash subscribe okay we welcome you back Lombardi line here on Visen the sports betting network he's Michael Lombardi I'm Patrick Maher we're going to be joined now by 9 year pro first round draft pick and our colleague here at Vsin of course he is Mike Pritchard. We love Pritch on Mondays to unpack these games. Look at the big smile. You know, we were just talking about the Miko Ryans potentially to the Texans and talking about some of the new coaching hires. I think you've said in the past, Pritch, coaching never interested
7: you. I, I'm curious as to why. I think coaches are wired differently. Um, I First of all, you gotta humble yourself and certainly you gotta be able to teach and communicate effectively that way. Uh, I I know it myself as a player, as you guys know me, I'm different now. I've been removed from the national football league as a player for over 20 years. Uh, But when I was a player, the competitive side of me um, was, was different. Right. Uh, And and I think, I think there's a talent certainly, but there's a temperament that you have to have to be a coach, uh, an effective coach. I mean, there's a lot of guys that think they can coach because they know the game and uh, you know, they can call plays or they feel like they can, but, can you communicate effectively? Can you lead men? Can you motivate? I mean, there's so many more factors that are involved in coaching that I just don't feel like uh I I possess right now. Maybe at some point I could learn to do that. Uh I talked to I talked to James Lofton a long time ago about this before an incredible, incredible player, Hall of Famer was a coach and but now, you know, he's settled in as a broadcaster. So I mean, I, I think you try it out if you feel like you have the taste for it. But I, I know that I don't have the temperament to be a coach though.
5: That that that's the that's what you have to understand. You got to be able to be uh, analyze who you are, and what fits. For me, I always wanted to be more involved in the personnel than the coaching. I didn't want to be limited to just one area, but I wanted to know all the areas, and that fit my personality. I think that's I applaud you, Bridge, because you got to know who you are, and not force it because it becomes a way. It's not authentic that way.
7: Right. Right.
4: The perfect word is temperament. And you said it, but I, again, I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy that. You'd lose your mind. (laughs) I've never been around a more gentle dude, Uh, but again, it's weird when people get into, into competition, it's like, you know how you have certain family members, you're playing monopoly. Then all of a sudden they turn into the devil. It's like, where'd that come from? Because people (laughs) get so competitive.
7: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the headgear is what does it, Patrick? I mean, uh, there's something about being this person outside or off the field, but put that headgear on and and buckle that chin strap and all of a sudden you do transform and and you have to because the game uh you know it certainly requires you to transform into a, a different person. And
4: that and that's and just to follow up with Michael on this as a, an evaluator. Mm-hmm. You can't measure what's inside somebody. That's what makes that job so hard, Michael. It's like you can have all the intangibles. Uh remember the guy that was drafted by Philly out of Penn State? I can't remember his name. Mike. Oh gosh, Michael, Mike you remember Mimoula. his name. Mamula, who Mimoula, had all Boston the intangibles, College, right. but could, what was it inside of him? Right. And that's for an evaluator. That's the hard part is kind of measuring what's nebulous.
5: Yeah, no doubt. It's hard. And it's, you gotta be wired, right? You gotta love the process. You gotta love watching tape. You gotta love the journey. You gotta love competing, but every day is a new set of competition. You know, you gotta kind of love that and match that. So, It does take somebody who's unique, and you got to find somebody who's willing to serve the apprenticeship. I mean, we have so many stay-at-home head coaches on Twitter that, you know, it's remarkable, but it's a different job than what they think it is on Twitter.
4: (laughs) Twitter (laughs) is certainly full of head coaches. It's full of of politicians. It's full of doctors. And it's Uh, full of asses.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's full of it's
4: full of horses' asses. Okay, Pritch's (laughs) points. Let's go ahead and throw them up here. Love to do this. Philly made the Super Bowl. Pritch point one. Philly made the Super Bowl running an offense loaded with college football concepts. So that's interesting. And let's then parlay that to the Super Bowl as
7: well. Yeah, it's really incredible. I mean, I got to applaud Howie Roseman for uh, uh, you know, putting this team together and, and understanding Nick Sirianni, understanding, uh, Gannon defense coordinator, offense coordinator, Shane Steichen too, but you look offensively at the Eagles. Uh, they have everybody on that starting unit are is draft choices from the Eagles throughout the years. Right. And then the addition of AJ Brown through a trade, uh, but they really constructed this offense, uh, and they flattened that learning curve for Jalen hurts, the accelerated, uh, the learning or, or certainly his ability uh, and, and on this level, the National Football League, because of the college football concepts. I mean, Shane Steichen was a guy who played quarterback at UNLV. Uh, he ran an offense. Alex Smith ran this offense. Uh, you know, Brian Johnson, who's a quarterback coach, ran this offense. Uh, and it's an offense predicated on the option game. Uh, and with the option game uh, that we see in college football today, and certainly in my day. We, my first year at, at Colorado, we ran a wishbone. Uh, Now, it's a different formation, but they're running similar plays or blocking it like we blocked the wishbone plays that we had uh, way back in the day. It's all about numbers, advantages and exposing and exploiting the weak side. And when you have a center like Jason Kelsey at 35 years old that can pull uh, and escort any type of running back, whether it's quarterback or or running back or halfback uh, to that weak side, it really gives you an advantage. And we saw that all year from Philly uh, and teams are having a hard time stopping that.
5: Yeah, they did. That weak side run was the difference of the game. Especially, I thought, Pritch, when they went to Gamewell, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really good move because certain backs are built against certain defenses. Like, Zeke can't play against San Francisco. He's too slow. Miles Mm -hmm. Sanders wasn't great. But I thought Gamewell's speed was a problem.
7: Absolutely, Michael. I mean, and that's another draft choice specific to and catering to this offense. Um. Uh, the speed that is necessary for a dive play, right? I mean, we think of a wishbone or an option attack and you have that big fullback. But a lot of times, if you change it up, the timing of the blocking as these guys release up onto the second level, if you can time it at the same time, it's a clean blocking lane uh, for a runner. Uh, and the speed of Gainwell, understanding that, hitting the hole with, with velocity with velocity, and uh, getting through that area of the football field is, is so beneficial. But uh, the nuances of this thing uh, it just took me back uh, in terms of what they're doing with these college football concepts and if Spaggs can catch up to it. He's got two weeks to prepare for it, right? Uh, I wonder if they can prepare for it well enough uh, to slow it down a bit.
4: Well, let's go there. You know Spags, Michael Lombardi, uh, Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. With the concepts that Pritch just kind of put forth, will Spags have a good game plan, do you think?
5: Well, I think he has two weeks to figure it out, and he and he can certainly learn from a lot of different people how to defend it and understand it. I mean, with Beckton, the middle linebacker, you got to be fast inside, and I think he's got that. you got to be strong interior, and I think he's got that. you got to be willing to play man-to-man. I think San Francisco's attitude yesterday was we can cover these guys. I don't think San Francisco was intimidated at all with their corners against their receivers. I mean – There was a lot of long foul balls. I love the Hurts over 21 and a half completions. It didn't hit because obviously the game was a different game. But I think I was surprised. I don't know, Pritch, if you were. I was surprised at the amount of man-to-man San Francisco got engaged in. Because I think they wanted to be able to pressure them, but not give them easy throws like Minnesota did and some other teams did earlier in the year. Tennessee couldn't do it. So I think that was their strategy. I'm going to watch the tape this afternoon to see if that's right. But – I was surprised if Spagnola wants to play man-to-man, mm-hmm. he can't play split safety against Philadelphia. They'll run the ball down your throat. So you got to figure out a way to build that eight-man front and hold up on the outside.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think um, in most most option offenses, uh, and certainly when we ran it, uh, I mean, uh, teams went to stack linebackers, but you also had three linebackers in the box too. Uh, and so you essentially had seven guys in a box, whether – uh, you know, the configuration of the down linemen really didn't matter. Uh, but you had seven guys to block, and uh, that made it difficult. You had the audible. You had to get to the numbers advantages if you can. But in today's NFL, there's not seven-man boxes, right? There's there's a seven-man box if you bring the safety down. But we've seen a lot of two-high safeties, and, and that's why a lot of things have happened uh, successfully for the Eagles that way, too. And you're right. Uh, I think San Francisco defending in the middle of the field and exposing their corners on the outside. I, I thought going into the game, that was going to be the key matchup, especially if the 49ers could score, uh, that outside the numbers were go- was going to be the prime real estate. Uh, you know, the NFL, uh, for a decade, the prime real estate was between the numbers in the middle of the field. But uh, in that matchup in particular, Michael, I, I thought the prime real estate was going to be outside the numbers. So. How
4: about the weapon of Jason Kelsey? You could do Every time yeah. they highlight the center, Michael Lombardi, it's like yeah. he's an all-time great. He's so yeah, no, he's, he's so strong and so athletic. It's insane.
5: Yeah, he's a great. You know, he probably was a great wrestler in high school because that's what he looks like every time I watch him play. It looks like he's wrestling. His balance is incredible. He's never off his feet. He's always in a leveraged position. I mean, Mike Webster was a world-class wrestler. The great centers, Damani Dawson. Great centers are always great wrestlers because they have to use their speed and quickness to get in the position to then cut the defense. And like Pritch said, when you can cut the defense in the run game, that's how you run the football.
4: Okay. We'll come back with Pritch's points. The return of PFM. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Pritch will reveal it. By the way, Pritch, were you a wrestler in high school? Yes? No?
7: I was I was not a wrestler. Uh, that's why I yeah. was a wide receiver.
4: <laughs> Probably could have whooped some ass if he did. We're coming back with Mike Pritchard next year at Lombardi Line. <laughs>
3: Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher.
4: Okay, the best loyalty program in the game that belongs to BetMGM, the king of sports books. Make sure you go check it out. Remember, every time you place a bet at BetMGM, it's like, a credit card. You accrue points, and when you get those BetMGM reward points, you can convert them into free bets, airfare, dining. It's awesome. It's a great deal. BetMGM.com or download the app 1 800 Gambler if you have an issue. You've got to be 21 years or older. So, this was exciting during the break. Uh, Michael Lombardi and, my, and I will go from Arizona to Nevada, and we'll be doing our shows live uh, leading up to the Super Bowl from circa. And Pritch just offered to let us crash at his house, so Pritch, we <laughs> appreciate the hospitality. Thank so, you. And Millie's yeah. going to be there as well. So the uh, the whole crew is going to be crashing at your crib. Is that cool?
7: Yeah, uh, that's cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, you. don't don't expect a lot in terms of hospitality, uh, but no, you guys are more than welcome. Okay. Though.
4: Thank <laughs> Thanks, Pritch. trying to say I'm trying to save Visa and a buck, and we appreciate you letting us in. Okay, you mentioned. Uh, let's get back to your Pritch's points, and, and then we'll do like a just a little look into the Super Bowl with you two. Uh, the return of PFM. What is that, Pritch?
7: Well, you know, when I was in Colorado covering the Broncos, um, Peyton Manning arrived, certainly, uh, and just changed the direction of the franchise. I mean, uh, this is a guy after four neck surgeries. uh, He resurrects his career, gets his career reestablished uh, with the Denver Broncos, uh, and it almost led to three Super Bowl appearances. Like, the first one, they got disappointed with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, but then they Got the doors blown off uh, against Seattle and one Super Bowl, but then they came back and won another one uh, against uh, Carolina. So, uh, but all the whole while you're, you're just marveling at Peyton Manning and, and what he's able to do, and all you can say is Peyton freaking Manning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you couldn't explain it. I mean, this guy in advanced age and after four neck surgeries and still getting the job done. So, as I'm watching that game yesterday, the AFC Conference Championship game. All I could say is Patrick freaking Mahomes, uh, because that guy was doing stuff that was not human. Uh, to be on one leg, to be in that kind of pain, to not take a block for that type of pain—I think it was remarkable. And, and then whether the ball slipped out of his hands that led to a turnover, Patrick freaking Mahomes, or or <laughs> if it's you know that scramble that led to the uh, the winning field goal, it's like Patrick freaking Mahomes—you cannot stop that. So I, I think that element. Uh, that aspect of this Super Bowl is something you can't quantify or you can't handicap. This guy is a magical, magical player uh, and such a difference maker uh, from a culture standpoint and certainly from a confidence in that locker room uh, standpoint. I'll give you a quick story. You know, When we're playing um, the, the great teams of the league in my day and you look around the locker room and uh, you might have um, not so great of a quarterback situation, right? Uh, and as players, you're like, man, how are we going to win this game today? Right. But then when you look up in the locker room and you see a John Elway or a Warren Moon, you're like, oh, man, we're winning this game today. Uh, and I think Pat, uh, Patrick Rick and Mahomes gives that to the Chiefs, you know, that they feel like they're in every single game, every minute of that game. Uh, and that, to me, is, is something that the Eagles are going to have to deal with.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, he's, the, he's the guy that can shift it, right? I mean, you know, when yeah. you break the matchup down, you say, hey, this this chief offensive line didn't play good against the Bengals. They're not going to play good against Philadelphia. The Chiefs don't run the ball, but the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. the, somehow, some way, he makes a throw to Scantling in between coverage. Somehow, some way, you know, I mean, the first throw he makes to Tony, which should be a touchdown. I mean, like the kid drops it. Mm-hmm
4: yeah that Just was a remarkable throw yeah it was a beautiful oftentimes people get frustrated when you, you you already cap somebody you say they're an all-time great Patrick Mahomes is an all-time great it, he that is we're, we're watching somebody right now in real time that's a legend and it's 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 a treat to watch now yeah. what I did you want to follow up there Pritch
7: well, no, I was just gonna, you know, add on to the fact that we saw Phillip Rivers playing a conference championship game with a torn ACL, right? And uh you marvel at that. But I, I to just put it in context, the amount of pain that Patrick was in, uh, PFM <laughs> that he was in without any type of block for that pain. I mean, uh again, on one leg and then the sc- uh, scamper and the run like he did uh and block out that pain. I again it's just it's just not human. Yeah, it's yeah, really Michael remarkable. talk about
4: you talked about the pain tolerance at certain human beings and how it comes down to your mental and intelligence sometimes, Michael. That is, with Mahomes, it really is. It's just remarkable.
5: I mean, and, and Pritch is right. Like, we could do all the handicapping we want. Don't trust the Chiefs' defense, the Eagles. It comes down to they have the best player in football, you know? And the other team that he just beat was the second best player in football. And so, you know, no matter how much we want to handicap this game for the next two weeks painfully and, and spend a lot of time, you know, on the Kelsey family dynamics, it's going to come down to they got the best player in football and how he plays and how healthy is he because when he moves around, and we saw a little bit of it yesterday, he couldn't move around, but when he moves around, he's even more problems.
4: Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, and he'll have two weeks. Now, again, with the high ankle and you'd go back to that Tampa Super Bowl. Remember, he his offensive line was decimated, and he had the toe injury as well. So he wasn't really moving then. The high ankle, given the two weeks, Pritch, not a lot's going to change, right? Isn't this an injury where you need more than just two weeks to really recover
7: a, a high ankle? Well, I, I would think so. But again, Patrick Mahomes has proven that wrong, and. Uh, you know, Tony's got an ankle situation. I know Juju. I mean, if anything, if I'm a wide receiver, I want to know what's going on over there with Patrick and, and how he's getting on the field and <laughs> and blocking things out. But I, I think the two weeks is, is going to allow him to still rehab, uh, still receive treatment. Uh, I, he's going to feel better than he felt yesterday. Uh, I, I think that's a given unless he tweaks it in practice or something. But uh, they've been there, done that in terms of the Super Bowl and preparation. They know how to prepare for this game, and uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Kelsey with the back spasms, that was a that was a surprise. But no, I, I think Patrick Mahomes, PFM too, uh, is definitely going to be better prepared and, and healthier for this matchup against the Eagles.
5: Yeah, at some okay. point he has to, right? You would think that. Yeah. I, I would think that's got to be the case, right? I mean, if he was able to go on six days, you know, he's going to get a ton of treatment and you know, they're going to have a couple of days off here as they get start to get game planned and ready for Philadelphia. And that's going to determine that his health is going to how Andy's going to have to change and modify the game plan.
4: OK, Kansas City, Philly Super Bowl. I'm going to ask you like this, Michael, I'll start with you, uh, Michael Lombardi. So the books got it wrong and the market corrected the number. The books circa opened two and a half Kansas City. They went all the way two and a half the other way. Philly, they've settled in Philly lane two in the Super Bowl. Michael, your first instinct on this number was what? Kansas City, Philly, your first reaction was what should the number be?
5: Well, all during the Kansas City game, Cincinnati game, I'm thinking what's the best matchup in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, midway through the third quarter, we knew Philly was going to the Super Bowl. So I'm trying to think, like, who gives them? And then as I'm watching the game, my instincts are telling me, since he can't block Philly, this will be a route. But then Joe Burrow makes two or three plays down the field. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll flip back. And then I watch Kansas City, and they move the ball. They should. you know. So I, at the end of the day, I felt like if Kansas City's healthy at receiver and Mahomes is a little healthier, they'll give them the harder time. But I always felt Philly was going to – I never, ever, in my mind, thought Philly wasn't going to be the favorite. I thought they were going to be an under three-point favorite, two, one-and-a-half, two, because I felt like they showed the most complete team of the four on that Sunday.
4: Pritch, it opened, like I said, Kansas City 2, 2.5, and Mm -hmm. and now we're sitting Philly 2. Is it somewhere in the middle? What's your number on this one?
7: Well, I I thought it could be a a 1 out there, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, I I thought if you made um, uh, Philly a dog in the beginning, uh, that they were going to get hammered uh, from a limit standpoint in anyway, right? Early limits and all that. But uh, I, I thought there was going to be too much uh, recency bias, too, on top of the fact that uh, uh, Philly is that good. They've decimated their opponents so far in the playoffs, too. So uh, you have that element. Um, you have strength on strength, too. I mean, the past defense is the best in the National Football League for Philly. Uh, they flipped it from last year, only 29 sacks now over 70 sacks this year with that front. Uh, and then the strength of, of Kansas city is passing the football. Actually, they're one dimensional, uh, from that in that regard. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought it's appropriate right now. I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to get the three. It could, right. Uh, but at this moment, um, you know, I, I think the, the market has it right. Uh, minus two right now at Philly.
4: Okay. It's going to be fun. Regardless, yeah. it will be fun, and like you said, we've got PF. I thought you were going to say Patrick freaking Maher, but it's Patrick freaking <laughs> Mahomes. Uh, I, I, I was, I was getting excited there. Are you on uh, one okay. leg doing
7: the show? Are you? Are you hopping right now? You... you can't see
4: under the desk, Pritch. I'm banged <laughs> okay. up. Trust me. Okay. Uh, what, play one thing we do know. Yeah, I play through <laughs> oh, yeah. it. One thing we do know, Michael Lombardi. We've got two freaking weeks to talk this game up
5: that's, that's what we what do saying know. we got we're gonna we're gonna get into the kelsey family dynamic because that's all we're gonna talk about back here in philly is the kelsey you know jason and travis and all that and i think travis obviously will be healthier for this game but that's gonna be a, a big conversation and then it's the andy Reid reunion bowl let's not forget that
4: go get that tooth fix my friend and oh, appreciate man. it enjoy your day off pritch thank you as always we appreciate you appreciate you guys as well Okay, Thanks, Big bets is coming up next Thanks, right Bridge. here on vsin
0: the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.
2: slash compatibility.